This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. This podcast was recorded on traditional Denizal land. Welcome to Before the Peace. I'm your host, Jenna Moreland, and I'm here with my co-host and producer of the podcast, Trey Lapashinsky. It's been a full year of the podcast, Jenna. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Today is a special episode. We have some special surprises, but the main part of the episode, we're just going to do a year in the review, and we're also going to uh, interview each other. Mm-hmm. Get so a little bit more personal. A little bit more personal, so people can learn a little bit more about us, and I think it's the perfect time, but I just want to look back quickly on the past year. I mean, in November, I know we we chatted a little bit about you know the full year, because we started in November 2021, but to now know this is the final episode of 2022, our first full year, when I was sitting there thinking about it yesterday, I'm like, wow, it's been a crazy year. Yeah. It's almost 2023 and we've done a lot. Yeah. Not just including the podcast, but even in our work lives as well. So it's insane. Let's get into it. Mm -hmm. It's been a year. (laughs) We need to get paid first, actually. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Troyer Ventures. Troyer has been serving our community and the energy industry with tank and back trucks since 2000. They're built on the principles of hard work, service, and community, and they're proud to offer the financial support to make this program possible. We'll also give a shout out to Epscan Industries, who are known for building excellence safely. So now that we're paid, we're going to talk about some reviews because we've been asking for months. We're like, hey, peeps, listeners, please give us some sort of feedback and how we're doing and we've received a few messages and we wanted to read them out today before we get into the brunt of the podcast just so to start it out i'm going to name you right away here it's from jeff morrison he said hey trey and jenna i'm really enjoying your podcast the conversations are good and you have a great way with your guests as someone from outside the piece i'm getting lots of perspectives and i just wouldn't have an opportunity to hear anywhere else keep up the good work well Jeff, Jeffrey. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much. Um, You didn't say how much you hated me and how much you love Jenna Moore, which I really appreciate. So uh, you're officially our number one fan. No, I don't know. There's our number one fans, either your sister or my grandma. Yeah, I think it's probably your grandma. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) No, and and thank you guys for leaving reviews. We do have um, a written review on Apple Podcasts, great stories that help me understand other cultures up in the north. Uh, So that was a five-star review uh, from a um, a listener on Apple Podcasts. So thank you very much. And we're getting reviews on Spotify too. So thank you so much. It really helps us and it helps the podcast. So please continue to do that. Yes, we love the feedback. Keep doing it. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, do the commenting. You can also email us at beforethepeace at energeticcity.ca. Again, send them in. We want to know what you guys think, your feedback, and maybe some guest ideas, uh, maybe some specific topics that you want to hear about, that you're curious about. Well, we have the resources to get that information for you. Now are we going to talk about our favorite guests? Of course we're going to talk about our favorite guests. This is one is really, really, really hard. Yeah, Because 
I mean, we're biased. They, all the episodes are great. All the people we talked to, it was wonderful. And they're also different. They're too. all different, different stories, and that's the beauty of the podcast. Yeah. I think for me, it's a split between Chief Trevor McConaughey with Doig River First Nation mm, that was a good and one. Mm-hmm. George Dejerley. I think George opened my eyes specifically to, you know, the sweats and Sundance and, and, you know, some of these sacred events that take place that mm-hmm. he's a part of. Um, and just a little bit about culture and his way of life, because we're learning so much about culture through some people's stories. Right. So just him talking about when he got married and, you know, the, the marriage itself. And, and he showed us after where it took place. It was, wonderful. yeah. Like it getting to great. stand underneath the tree yeah, and, and he <laughs> pointed at where everyone was standing. And it was, it was really cool after because yeah, we, we got a tour something we didn't talk about, but after he took us, um, to the lake mm-hmm. and told us a story about like, I think it was probably centuries ago, just a story that went around West Moberly of a, uh, a sacred, beast in the lake perhaps a Loch Ness potentially he didn't say know. he didn't say Nessie but I was that's kind of uh, what I was I, pretty sure that it was Loch yeah Ness. <laughs> that's kind of where I got it because it kind of it sounded like a dinosaur-ish mm-hmm. creature it just popped up in the middle of the lake yeah and there's been I think multiple accounts of it so well, my biggest thing too and I haven't said this to George I think we have a good enough relationship now or the next time I have him on the podcast I can mention this but every time I see him he wears a Sasquatch t-shirt oh every single time I've seen him even outside of work he wears a Sasquatch t-shirt I would love to have him on the podcast just to talk about Loch Ness Sasquatch and related stories that he's heard about because I'm very curious because it seems like he's a fan I've seen That's multiple different That's such an interesting t-shirts. detail you picked up. <laughs> well, if you walk into my apartment, I have a sign who says, we're now looking for him, and it's Sasquatch, so I'm, nice. I'm big into Sasquatch. I also look like him a little bit, too. <laughs> I would say my favorite, I think my favorite episode and the one I recommend the most is Christy Jordan Fenton. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh, just because I think it really hit hard on a lot of topics and a lot of questions that people may have, and or I don't know. I can't. I can't really describe what made it so special. I don't know. I think she's, it was the variety of topics. She's his- so. I don't know. She's so captivating. Mm-hmm. She's so captivating. How she speaks, her experiences, mm-hmm. um, being an author, and and her takes on things. Yeah. Like, so we had her to talk about her books and talk about her life, but then it went into the next generation and TikTok yes. and how that's helping with spreading Indigenous culture and mm-hmm. advocating. And that was just one of the topics. Yeah. We talked about a lot. We talked about residential schools and writing the book with Uliman, who was a residential school survivor. Um it, it was it was just a very, very, yeah, captivating is the perfect word for that episode, for sure. Yeah, and I think, like, one of the things that stands out the most to me in that episode, because I've heard people say this in the past of, you know, it can't all be that bad at the residential school. Like, it wasn't all bad, mm. right? So there's, like, this, people say, oh, you know, 
they did get good things out of it or you know and her response to that of their children why did they have to go through any of it mm-hmm. I think that was really because I think so many people have thought that and had that misconception of like oh they got good things out of this they should be grateful no <laughs> no and I think that is a really important moment and I just remember that moment very clearly yeah I think that's an example of Christy as a person kind of pushing against some of the common language that's being used nowadays so reconciliation our question of what does reconciliation mean to you the first thing she came back with was reconciliation yes and that's actually something she's been trying to do in the community with workshops specifically called reconciliation and that stuck with me that word I use quite often because Mm -hmm. her response to what reconciliation means to her I'm in a similar vein to yes for sure where you can you can say all these neat phrases that are put into headlines and this is coming from a journalist but where is the action yeah what is being done you can't just throw money at problems you can't just say you're going to do something what is being done and for the trauma and the violent history that indigenous communities and families had to go through do something yeah don't just say it do something Mm-hmm. So I'm getting aggressive now. No, that's okay. Oh, and also, I would say my favorite guest to like hang with and like just like be like bros with is Clarence. Oh my! I loved him he so is much. So funny. <laughs> I, I the 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 podcast you guys might have heard on Clarence Obsassin is just a snapshot of that man. It was a three hour, it was our longest podcast, three hours, but we had to whittle it down to our hour limit. And the stories about him being a cowboy and the rodeo circuit and going to the He's US. He's so funny. And I feel like, I don't even know if we fully captivated how funny he really is. Because I, I can't tell you how much I laughed in that three hour setting. Well, if you made it to the end of the podcast, we did put in an extra story about him and the elders in Vancouver in the strip club. Yes. So if you haven't listened to the the episode, please do. It is wonderful. Um, now for one of our surprises. Mm-hmm. So I swear every episode I talk, you talk about your sister being a fan of the show and I talk about my grandmother. Um, I'm going to give my grandma a call right now. Grandma. She has no idea. Grandma Trey. Um, I told her I was calling her and I, I said it, it might have to do with the podcast. So maybe she has an idea. But my grandma is 80 years old. She, her, her birthday is in a week. Um, so my Nana's birthday is on Thursday. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, wish my grandma a birthday, a happy birthday while you're listening to this podcast, but let's, uh, let's give grandma a call. By the way, her name's Marian Talek and she's a wonderful old lady. We're doing this old school. Hello. Hey grandma, how are you doing? I'm doing good, sweetheart. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. So you're a, you're a surprise today. I'm what? Hi, Grandma. That is Hi, Jenna. That that's Jenna. That's the co-host of Before the Peace. You are on the podcast. You're on the podcast right now. No, you can swear. You can talk about how much you love George Desjardins' hair. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> 
I loved his podcast. Now, that's the gentleman that you sent me the picture of, correct? Yeah, he was the one that we hung out with at Healing the Hoop, and he uh, had a really good relationship with Jenna and and, and one of her kids. Yes, and I thought that was fantastic. I would have loved to have been in that spot, too. Sounds like a fabulous man with such insight. Okay, calm her down, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right off the rip, Grandma, I know you're you're pretty much caught up on the podcast. Over the past year and listening to the episodes, what was your favorite one? Oh gosh. Well, dear, you know I've got a very good memory, but you know, through the years it's fading. (laughs) I I don't know if I would say I have a favorite one. They all, I all grasped a little bit of insight from each one. I found them all interesting from all the uh, Aboriginal podcasts you did. So what, is there something that comes to mind to you, like a topic or something that we mentioned in the podcast that sticks out to you? I know George Desjardins' hair is one of them <laughs> and him as a person, but was there like a certain topic during the conversations that you were listening to that, that kind of stuck out to you more than the others? Oh, wow. I think the topic of, of basically how they spoke of th- their, uh, their upbringing, their beliefs, uh, so, so different from the rest of us, like how, how they were brought up, I think. And in my mind was wandering back when I was very young and I saw some of them, how they were brought up and they were taught and things like that, you know. So I, just, I just found it fascinating. All of them I really did. Do I have a favorite? Uh, each one had a little tiny bit of, of something that I, I loved out of each one. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Grandma. One thing I just wanted to highlight, this is one of my last questions for you, Grandma, is you kept saying there, 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 there. And I know you're, you're talking about First Nations. Well, yes, yes. We're, we're indigenous. and She's on me for saying No, 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 that's fine, Grandma. We're, that's fine. But... I think that's reflective of how you grew up. And I, I just, you know, briefly, I know, <laughs> I know I'm just dropping this on you right now, but you want to talk about the conversations we've had about how, um, you know, you being indigenous and your siblings was not talked about when you were growing up. About me being which we, we never spoke about those things because to us, we were not, uh, we were not, Indians, that was them. Mm-hmm. We were brought we were brought up different. Um, I think probably because dear to them they were uh, uh, how would you say all they did was drink and fight and stuff. But yet, yet our parents brought us to powwows, and I loved them. I loved the music, the dancing, their their. Just her whole vibe of uh, family like said, and connecting yeah, and spirituality. Yeah. Yes, yes, just all that. And I, I just found it so fascinating that I guess when I was young, thinking there is just so powerful for me thinking of it. And through my life, I I had some books from B.C. Andrews I read, and it's about the Aboriginals and a medicine woman and stuff. And and I just got so and and engrossed in that that I thought yes that's what that's what they did that we looked at it differently you know that 
their cultures, what they believed in and stuff, which is very strange when I was young. But as you get older and as, as I'm older, those things bring it out of, of just how powerful their spiritual life really is. Do you wish that you were brought into your indigenous culture more growing up now that you're looking back on it? Probably not, because our culture then, when you see quite a bit now, dear, that I probably even think sometimes, uh, shame on me for thinking some ways, but I was brought up that way of uh, of just those Indians. That's all they do is drink and fight. Mm-hmm. So when I think back on that, would I have wanted that? No, no, because I wouldn't want to be like them. Uh, believe it or not, Trey, even throughout my life and even as I got older, people say, you're what? You're not Indian. Yeah? No, you're not. Like, they're shocked. Mm-hmm. And I should have asked them then, why? What would the difference be? You know, but I didn't. Like, why would they think, even nowadays, people are shocked. You're not. Yeah. You know, it shows when you're older. And But now that I think back long years, my, my grandmother, uh, uh, so that would be your, your great-grandmother great-great-grandmother she never spoke english she always spoke french and and cree because she was raised as my mother was they were born she was born next to in montana next to a reservation so that's all my my grandmother could speak so she was very shy uh beautiful little white-haired lady and such a loving lady but very um as you look over the years of years of some of the the Aboriginals, that they they just shied away some of the older ones, and that's probably why you know because they couldn't speak the language, they were taught differently and and stuff. But I wished years ago I I knew that stuff to to talk to her and and stuff. So when I look at sometimes different powwows and stuff, I search out and I look at and and see some of the older people and and they speak very good english and which i think is great i wish my grandmother was like that so i could speak more with her so that's probably another reason why i didn't get into it too much and then because you had no one to show you right like you you could have had the opportunity but unfortunately you just couldn't communicate with your grandma exactly and Mm. like even even my mom and my dad and that it was sort of like a it just seemed like a shunned thing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't talk about stuff like that. And yet my, my grand, my great-grandfather, my, my dad's grandfather, all he spoke was French. So when those two would meet or see each other, then it was all French because my, my grandmother could speak French mm-hmm. and stuff. And with him too, like, gee, I wish I knew some of these languages so I could have conversed with them. So like you say, when I'm doing my uh, ancestry, you know, I'm just finding it fascinating. It's, oh, that's great grandpa's. Oh, that's it. Oh, well, okay, his wife so-and-so. All these different things. And going back, I guess, dear, and thinking, gosh, missed out so much in life. But yet, as, as culture was, quite a bit of that was shut down. Well, good Lord, you'd never want to be classified as Aboriginal good lord you know and and that's why when i look nowadays at some of the uh different things that's happening and and they're talking about uh reconciliation and all that there's bad in every 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 person of that but some of them all those hurts from many many years ago of their parents and their grandparents i'm sure they have told 
their children and their grandchildren that. So I'm thinking this is where some of this stuff is coming out from that, that has been passed down over the years. What they had to endure and try try make, make a life. Yeah, through of, through um, they're trying to basically get through the generational trauma is what you're, yeah, you're yeah, down yeah. to. Yeah, get away from that shame or that whatever and just live your life and live your culture how how, how it should be. So I think that's why sometimes quite a bit of this uh, stuff that's coming up and stuff goes back many, many years ago that some people just hang on to things like like everybody does in certain things, you know, whether you're uh, what, what your culture is. Some people hang on to stuff that bad that happened and it it defines them differently as, as a person, I think. Grandma, I love you so much. And I love you too, sweetheart. Okay. And I just, oh, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna cut I, you off, and and we're gonna end it right right away here because I know you can go on for hours. But if you have something to add, give it to me. Just to say, I love you and Jenna's job, and I can't wait to see the new ones that make it too. Keep up the good work, all of you. I love it. Oh, thank you. Uh, I love you, Grandma. Thank you. Okay. I'll talk to you love tonight. You all right. Okay. Sure thing. Okay. Bye. Bye I love her so much. You got to think, just hearing how she talks, right? And they, it's it's very interesting. You got to think, she grew up in the she grew up in 1943. Yeah, through the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s. Not, you know what I mean? So she has seen that. Imagine growing up being indigenous and then trying to stay away from it. Yeah, it's it's incredible and. I would love to have her on because she has a lot more stories um, about her siblings and her parents, and they're not great ones, and just how she was taught. But she gave us, you know, the highlights on, mm-hmm. on how she was raised, and um, she had it pretty rough, very poor. Uh, I remember seeing wedding pictures of her and my grandfather, and my my grandma's teeth was just black because they were so poor; they didn't have money to for dental hygiene wasn't a thing for them. It was just if they can get food, right? It was, I think she has five siblings and they lived in a small house. Like it was very, very, her upbringing was very rough. And then she met my grandpa and they came into money and then eventually, you know, life went up from there for her. She, you know, she went back to college in her thirties. She's a very interesting woman who's, yeah, that's an 80 year old for 80. Mm-hmm. Just listen to how she talks. Yeah. She's so, she's so awesome. I, that kind of so actually segues us into our next portion of this podcast. Learning which, about us. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I mean, your grandma and then you, like you were raised by your mom, yeah, my and, mom and my your grandma. grandma. Mm-hmm. So give me like, an elevator pitch on Trey's life. Well, I was raised, uh, born and raised in Edmondson, Alberta. Um, it was just my mom. My mom was a single mother during the first couple of years of my life. Uh, we lived at my grandma's house. So again, it was just me and my grandma and my mom, but there were a lot of people coming by to help out. So it was my auntie and my uncle at the time. And we were just, our family to this day is, we're, we're very, very close. We have a group chat called the Dingalings. <laughs> yes, my 80-year-old grandmother is a part of this group, and my auntie named it. And we, you know, we just stick together. We yell at each other in text. But we've always been the loud, obnoxious, joking family. We've always been super, super close. Um, and then when I was around five years old, 
me and my mom moved to Vancouver to try and find my dad. Oh, I, I didn't I, know that. So my dad wasn't there when I was born. He left my mom once she found out um, that she was pregnant and he wanted her to get an abortion and we can get them all into that. But they just did not have a good relationship. So my mom said, fuck it. He's my kid. I'll raise him myself. So we moved to Vancouver where my auntie was. So she helped out um, while I was, you know, while I was growing up. She was in her early 20s babysitting me. So a lot of my interests, like into hip hop and into rock music, like you got to think. Oh, it comes from like, her. <laughs> yeah, you got to think the 90s, right? Yeah. So she was listening to grunge. She was yeah. listening to new metal, Eminem, Tupac, Nelly, like mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s. Like my auntie was taking me to school, was um, hanging out with me, babysitting me because my mom worked three jobs. Wow. My mom worked three jobs pretty much my whole life. I think she stopped working three jobs in like 2012. She, I constantly, even in high school growing up, I didn't see her too much. But when we were together, a special moment. So eventually what happened is we moved to Abbotsford. We were in Vancouver, Abbotsford. Then my mom got married. I lived in the States for a bit. That what? didn't work out. Yeah. Where in the States? Uh, Bellingham, Washington. Okay, okay. She met this man through a uh, uh, tanning studio she worked for. So the owner, that was her brother. And so they met, they ended up getting married very quickly. We moved to the States for a bit. That did not work out. That's a whole podcast in itself. It was Ooh, just boy. a bad situation. We got deported. Oh. Um, so my mom had to basically redo her life because when we were in the States, that man she was married to was living in a trailer and when my mom came in, she in instantly became the general manager of a, a Costco. We were in this huge house, had a trampoline, cars, like we had money. Then we got deported. We ended up back in Edmonton with nothing. Mm. My mom, I finished school there. My mom tried to go back to the States. We got deported again after halfway oh through gosh. school. I think it was grade five or grade six I was in. Anyways, came back and then that's when we settled in Edmonton. Um, eventually before junior high, me and my mom moved out on our own. And again, it was a lot of me taking care of myself. Yes, but no, like my mom was still there. I don't want to put it out there like she wasn't, but she worked so much. Single that, mom know, life. Yeah. I had to cook for myself. Yeah. I had to take care of myself, but my mom was always telling me that she trusts me and she just wants me to be honest and that our relationship kind of thrived from there. Where if I did something bad, my mom knew right away. First time I smoked pot, first time I smoked a cigarette, first time I drank, my mom knew yeah. immediately. I would tell her instantly and we would have the conversation and she would give me the, hey, you're going to do it, but please just talk to me about it, right? Our, our relationship's very close. Um, this is more than a five-minute elevator pitch, but <laughs> from there, kind of jumping into it, I... I moved out at 18 right away. I had some funds that came from the passing of a, a family member. And I went to college and just went to an, in an apartment by myself right away at 18. So before we get into like your career and stuff, mm, I just yeah. want to say like one of the conversations that I've had with Janelle. So Janelle is Trey's wife. Yeah. And she said like one of the reasons why you are so comfortable around women is because you were raised by so many women. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there that you really have a way of like 
offering like this strong comfort mm. and it's it's just it's a it's really nice for the women around you oh man thank you <laughs> i actively try to do that i i with everyone it's not just females but anyone anyone like yeah. our office is very diverse and within how people label themselves sexuality-wise or just religion, everything. I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I'm just open-minded. I just want to yeah. talk to people and I like, I like being there for people. And that was taught through my grandmother and through my mom and, and just making, I, the one big thing I was told, I remember when I was very young, I just found out what gay meant. But I, I barely knew what it meant. But I asked my mom, just randomly, we're driving. I just remember, it. I can I can visualize it in my head. We were on a rural road going through some trees in Washington. And I said, mom, what if I'm gay? And my mom said, babe, doesn't, doesn't matter. I'll love you no matter what. I want you to know. I'll love you no matter what. And she'd said that to me several times after that, even into my adult years where she'll just randomly say it. Like, I just want you to know, babe, like I love you and whatever you decide to do, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. That right there encompasses who I want to be as a human being. Yeah. Just there for people. Mm -hmm. And especially now where we're in such a crappy world and so many bad things happening, I just want to be there for people and listen to them and, and try and, and be as comforting as possible. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, with women, I remember in my early twenties, like I remember specifically my high school sweetheart. Like I talked to Janelle, my wife about all the time. Her name was Brittany. I was not a good person. I was, I was not a good partner. I, and she was wonderful. And I, to this day now, like over 10 years later, I still think about that. And I think that also had an effect on me talking with my mom after that and telling her like that I cheated on her and I didn't treat her well and things like that. Talking to my mom about it and my mom being, having gone through those things as well, that also re-sparked this new journey that I wanted to go on with myself early on. Like I was like 22. I'm like, I will never disrespect a woman again. Yeah. I felt so bad and I apologized to Brittany so many times over Facebook Messenger when I was a little drunk in my early 20s. I think it's like everybody makes mistakes, but what do you learn from it and exactly. how do you move forward? I like where I'm at now and I like who I am as a person and I, I honestly feel that anyone could come up to me and we can have a conversation and I don't care who you are, yeah, I where think you so are too. in life. I, I will definitely talk to you and, and that comes from my grandma and my mom. So let's let's talk about now you're going into college because you want to be a radio show host. Well, so I was going to get into me going right into college when I was 18. So I actually went through a couple of career changes in my head. Like but I, wait, did I, I you didn't know what I wanted be? to do. Oh, okay. So you didn't, want, you didn't, didn't know, know yet. Okay. So 18, first thing I thought, traits. I went to college... I'll be honest, to really just get the funding so I can also have my own apartment. But I went in for carpentry. So mm -hmm. I was an apprentice carpenter for, I want to say two years. Oh, snap. Um, I just started out as like a grunt and then I was just a first year apprentice. And I eventually, and this will be a trend that you'll notice, is I just decided, no, it's not for me. And then I left. And then that next 
year I started with graphic design um, and video editing. Hmm. I did some courses through Nate's and Edmonton for that. I did that for about a year. It was part-time courses, a lot of that, a lot of partying, a lot of figuring out you know, who I am and what I'm doing in my life. Um, and I lived in a house with three of my best friends. And so again, it was just a lot of partying and figuring out what I wanted to do. So I stopped doing those courses because I realized there was no money in it. And I just started working at a warehouse and I did that for three years and I was working night shifts. So I was working from 11 PM to eight in the morning, became a supervisor. I was the safety attendant as well. And it was just, you know, so when did you get into radio then? So during the night shifts, there's not a lot to do because what we were doing is just is is just inventory. Like we're just packing the shelves, right? We we worked with um, fasteners, so we was just screw sizes and stuff. We would just put them on the shelves, everything like that. So it was mindless work. Listen to a lot of podcasts. So that's how I got into it in the early. Uh, I think it was like twenty. 13, 2014, I started listening to a lot of podcasts. So you got in on podcasts pretty early then. (laughs) So I started listening to a lot of podcasts, specifically like sports-based podcasts, wrestling podcasts, comedians, because a lot of comedians were doing it at that time or starting to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I just loved it so much. And my buddy who I was working with, who was already my best friend for like five years prior to that, we were working together and he decided to go to radio school just because... Instead of listening to podcasts when we were working, he had the radio on, was listening to Sonic 102.9 in Edmonton. And that's what got him is like, I want to be a radio host. Mm. And he definitely fit the mold. He's just that type of person. Very intelligent, but man, he's got a voice on him. And he went to school and I just, he had such a great time. I'm like, you know what? I hate to be a follower, but I want to try this. And that's what happened. I didn't have the proper courses going into it, so I had to take some. Um, and then there was also a radio like introductory course in the evenings that I took that I loved. And then I got into the program and I busted my butt. I, on on top of school, I had a part-time job at a paintball place. I was a street teamer for Harvard broadcasting for two different radio stations, which is basically you at events, you handed out stickers and stuff like that. I worked at CFWE for their bingos. I was a bingo announcer. (laughs) Um, I also did sports announcing for basketball and volleyball. And then I was an editor for the college newspaper. I decided at that point I was going all in. I was like, this is what I want. I want something that I can work hard at where I can take my hardworking, my hardworking, my work ethic Mm -hmm. and put it into something that I'm going to enjoy. And I'm also going to get the creative benefit from it. And that's, was radio. I really loved it. I was the guy who was doing bits and voices all the time. Macho Man was my big (laughs) one. I did bits in school where it was set as like Macho Man being like an intellectual. So I would do these quotes as Macho Man for 30 seconds, not tell anyone, just put it on the radio, and then just that was my thing. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I ended up going to Lloydminster at a radio station Uh, for my internship and within a month I got hired but the only position available was for a weekend evening uh, host on air as well as a reporter I'd never been a reporter that's where the news comes yeah so I don't have a journalism background but now you jump ahead a couple jobs later me trying to advance COVID and I end up becoming a news director 
I was also a general manager at a company before this, which kind of got my feet wet in, in supervising. But it's really funny. Coworkers of mine have always told me that I would have been a news director or like a PD, a program director for radio, like in some sort of authority within the industry. Well, and before you, so just to put this into perspective, in 2019... I- June of 2019, I started, I took over energeticcity.ca, like the sales side of things. We'll get more into me later. But like, it was me and boss man Adam mm-hmm. and like one writer. No, like one, one and a half writers <laughs> because yeah. she was part time, the yeah. other one. And now, like, where are we at now? We got you, news director. So we got me. We got a video reporter, we got an investigative reporter, we got an uh, indigenous voices reporter, and two general reporters. Which is just So we got a newsroom of six people. That's amazing. When I started, it was exactly what you said. It was one reporter and then the halftime reporter. And so last year, the first year I was here, it was me writing a lot of the stories too. I was putting out a lot because the two people that were in here didn't have as much experience as I did, and I was very quick with writing the daily stories. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of that, but now it's at the point where I ain't writing anything. I'm just sitting back and giving them pointers, editing, delegating, delegating. I'm working very hard on development because everyone's at a certain skill set. Um, and it's very much testing me because you got to think I didn't go to school for journalism. I also didn't go to school for being a manager. And I'm learning all of these on the fly. I'm learning from Adam. I'm learning from other people. Um, I, one of my mentors, and she hates me saying this, and she'll probably never hear this podcast. Maybe she will. Erica Fisher. Actually, funny enough, used to work for Moose FM. It was her, I think it was her first job. Oh, okay. And she was... Man, uh, radio world is yeah, so small. it's funny. <laughs> so she's now in Grand Prairie at Today FM, where I was for a hot minute during COVID. You probably know what happened there. And then, but before that, when I was in Lloyd Minster, so Today FM and The Goat, which was the station I was at, it was a rock station, they, um, they're the same company. So Erica was like a regional news director. And so she was my boss, but I had never met her until I went to Grand Prairie to try and advance and become a midday host. And then, yeah, COVID happened and I ended up losing my job. Um, well, I will say in their defense that no, I was supposed to get my, my job back. They were just, um, What's, mm, there's the word life. yeah oh. there was a word for it but they were basically just letting me go for the time being until I wanted to come back like laid off yeah laid off essentially but there was another word that they called it as well oh, okay. um, but I ended up taking another job became a eventually a general manager for a company that was focused on being an online newspaper but they also did a lot of video they did a live video show in the morning so I got to utilize my radio skills there but I was on camera which is not a good look if you've ever seen a picture of me and then (laughs) um you know moving here you know once that didn't work out unfortunately the company ended up folding just because they were moving so quick during the pandemic that I ended up here and I took those skills that I learned there with me so every place that I've been I've just taken a little bit with me and and now I think I'm going to be here for a bit I, I really love it here I love Fort St. John I love the Peace Region I mean yeah there's things that I don't like but that's like with any other place right yeah. i think it was a huge shock for me when i went to lloydminster because that was my first time living outside edmonton away from my friends and family and like i said i'm very close with my family so it was very hard yeah. uh, it's still hard to this day and it's been almost five five or six years so i 
hated it at first in Lloyd because it was a small town and I didn't get it. But what I did realize was how important rural news was and mm-hmm. how like if there was no outlets, they would literally have nothing because most of these major mainstream media outlets They'll cover on the big stories that happen yeah. or the ones that... They don't care are, what's happening yeah, in Fort St. John. <laughs> yeah, they really don't care unless, you know, oh, hey, oh, in the Oil north... Gas. <laughs> or in the north, uh, a beaver dam flooded a highway. Oh, that's a good story. We're going to mm. put that up on the, you know, on the lines. But, but the I will say this... But the stories that, like, really matter. matter. Yeah, they're not, they're not doing human interest stories on a daily basis on locals yeah. that people see all the time. You know what I mean? But I will say this... Um, they do at times, and a lot of people don't know this, like CBC, if they're doing a story on something in Fort St. John, they'll phone us and they'll ask if they can use our stuff and if we want to comment on it or anything like that. So oh, I, I just want to put that. that on. Yeah. They have a couple times. I think a lot of people don't know that, mm, but yeah. yeah, I've had, it's CBC specifically, um, Daybreak is it's basically about the, well it is about the north and what's happening up here so they'll their producers oh, okay. will phone a lot too and yeah no it's very interesting well i stuff. have to say like since you got to energetic and what you've done here i'm just really proud of what like the entire team has done and i see how you are with spencer mm-hmm. and like how far he's come and your kind of mentor relationship with him. And it's just, it's really cool to watch and see everybody grow. And it's just really exciting because it's, man, it's a busy place in here. We're running out of room. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're, we're becoming a well-oiled machine. Yeah. We're, 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 it's crazy that this is happening in Fort St. John. Yeah. It's right? pretty cool though. I didn't know what Fort St. John was, uh, three years ago. And who would have thought Erica. we would have, an indigenous voices podcast. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so cool. All these different things that we're doing. And I just want to know, like what would be like your favorite experience to do with the podcast? I don't want to say, I don't want you to say healing the hoop because that's an obvious Mm -hmm. one. An obby. Yeah. But outside of that, like, do you have like a favorite experience or a favorite (laughs) moment? Oh, I don't know if you're going to hate me for saying this. Oh boy. Hanging out with you. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Uh, you and I have been become close friends and during this time, and uh, you become really close with my wife. And we actually had this conversation on Sunday, how the the little group of friends that we've been able to gain mm-hmm. in Fort St. John, I feel like we're holding it very close because during the pandemic, especially last year, the first year we were in Fort St. John, we really didn't do anything. It was just her and I. Which we were fine with, but you get a little stir crazy. Yeah. And so you kind of brought us out of our shells a little bit and inviting us over to your house. I just kept inviting you until you you said yes. You just kept going until I said yes. And I just want to say thank you because, you know, all the experiences that I've had during the podcast, I've been able to have it with a newfound friend, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. We've been able to grow during these experiences and, and you've been able to help me out with life too, because you're a little older, you've had some experiences, um, that you're able to pass that knowledge on to me. And I just appreciate it so much that we, we have that type of relationship, but all in all, like if I'm being really cheesy, if we're talking about the podcast solely outside of you and I. (laughs) <laughs> everything like yeah. I, I can't the biggest thing for me I think of when you mention that outside of our relationship is all the people we've got to meet that we m- m- 
like even the ones outside of who we had as guests, like uh, Jocelyn, like mm-hmm. um, the even all the the workers at Busybody that we've got to talk to. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Just so many people like going to. Um, Doig and getting to talk to everyone, Shona, or, you know, um, who else am I missing? Lacey at Doig, you know, like all these people that we've been able to chat with that people don't know about because it's not on the podcast, but we've just met so many people and had so many great relationships that we're started to build or that we've built as a whole. It's, it's and just like been a great a experience. One hour podcast for instance, like say us Monthly. going out to Doig. Yeah. Like we drive an hour mm-hmm. together out there and then we go and record. Well, we spend some time with the guests or maybe some of the other community members and we got a tour and we did, we recorded the podcast, but it was like an entire day. Like mm-hmm. it was an entire day that we spent out at like by the time we got back to our regular jobs, it was almost an entire day. So even though it was only a one hour podcast, it was an entire day for us. Uh, yeah. So we got to experience so much more stuff outside of that. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty cool. Well, even talking about having that chat with George near the lake, you yes. know what I mean? Like these yeah. little experiences, these memories, even that, our drives. Yes, even our drives. <laughs> we talk. That's what I mean. Like with the knowledge that Jenna's, uh, which is always me, me driving. Drive. By the way, yeah, yeah. I'm always driving, yeah. and Trey is always in the passenger seat on his phone because he's always going to be checking in with the newsies. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and this just being transparent, like we wear a lot of hats outside of the podcast. Could you imagine if we did this podcast weekly? We couldn't. We wouldn't be able to. Oh, because we would have. It would have to be a full there's time no, yeah, thing. No, like, there's oh. no way because. Yeah, like Jenna's saying, most of the time we're traveling and we're, you know, then I have to take the time to edit the podcast and there's research that goes into it. And this is all on top of the several, several hats and duties that we have at Mm energeticcity.ca. So it is a lot. And trust me, if if you guys are like, oh, I wish you guys did it weekly or I wish you did more. Yeah, we do too. But (laughs) For 2023, we do have some ideas we've been spitting around. We want to add some more stuff to the podcast, maybe some segments, maybe some, you know, more look into languages and things like that. Just basically weekly segments or sorry, I should say monthly segments that uh, you guys will like a lot. Uh, Is that it for the questions for me or do you got more? I have one more and it's more of a conversation piece for the two of us. Okay. Because I don't know if we've ever really fully discussed this specifically, but do you believe that racism has a scale? Oh my god, I did not expect that one. (laughs) Like, in the sense of, it's not as, I don't want to say black and white because that's very, uh, what's a better way of describing it? Like, I, I feel as though there is this scale of racism. And people have to constantly be checking their biases. And if they don't check those biases, where are you on the scale? So like, for instance, I would love to say that I have zero racism in me, Mm. but that would be naive to say. 100%. I could tell you right now, as someone who is a huge advocate um, pushing against racism, I have listened to rap songs in the past where I have said the N word. Mm-hmm. I will openly admit that. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people can sit there and argue that. You definitely have when you're listening to a song that has it and then sometimes it just slips out. Now I actively 
make sure because I listen to a lot of it. I know it's going to come up. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that I don't. But I do think there are levels. And I think it comes down to people being self-aware when it comes out. For instance, not calling my grandma racist, but just just listening to her language, right? Mm -hmm. When we just talked to her, the the there, the aboriginal, like... That's how she grew up. You have to think when we were growing up, even with TV shows and things like you love friends, there are some episodes that are cringy that would not oh, for hold sure. up. Now, yeah. Right? Like even shows from five years ago. And that's what we were in. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm rewatching the OC right now. Oh. And one of the biggest storylines in 2003 was that Luke's dad was gay. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, and it was what? a huge Who thing. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> But it yeah. was a big deal in but 2003. Luke, Luke Luke having a gay dad made him pretty cool, though, yeah. on the show. I ended up liking Luke because he hated him in the beginning. I love the OC. I've seen it so many times. Uh, but it's problematic. And a it lot is. of these shows are problematic. And, it, and I think what, the reason I wanted to bring this up, and I want this to be almost like a conversation piece that people can have with mm. their family, because I do think, like, you know, my parents and grandparents and all these things, like, if we talk about you know, maybe normalize it a little bit more of like, yeah, I, I have some racist tendencies or mm-hmm. I, I have some biases that maybe I need to work on. And if you're constantly checking yourself and you're constantly working on that, then you're going to be part of the healing and part of the reconciliation. I think no one can say that they've never done or said anything that can be taken as racist. But, pe- anyone, but people anyone. will say that yeah, because they, they want to, you know, yeah. their egos yeah. or whatever gets in the way. It's how do you go from there? Can you look back at it and say, this was wrong? Yes. To this day, this is where I'm at now. For instance, my grandma, we were driving in Edmonton, I think, I think it was like last year. And there was a um, minority, I don't know how to say it. There's there someone in a vehicle and she made an unsavory comment. And I immediately said, Grandma, you can't say that. And she's like, why? And I'll say, well, you're specifically taking everything that said all these, um, you're profiling is what you're doing. You're profiling this individual and fitting them in a box and you don't know them. Mm -hmm. Based off the color of their skin is what you're doing. And yes, it might be a comment that was said as a joke while she was growing up. And we've had these conversations and she'll, like she said on the phone, she'll look at it and be like, oh yeah. Like at 80 years old, my grandmother is still actively checking herself. Checking herself. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And yes, she has me to check her as well. But that, that is a life. That is a human being. That's Mm -hmm. someone who's like, oh yes, I did something wrong. How do I improve? How do I take everyone in? How do I um, improve? You know, I, I know this is cheesy to say, but. How I am, what you said with with me and females and and just people in general, that's my contribution to the world. Yeah. Yeah, this podcast, like little things I do, that's how I justify it in my head. Unlike, you know what, I'm not going to be the prime minister. I'm not going to um, probably lead this great revolution or, you know, be a huge protester and advocate these huge issues on a large scale. But what can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, I can make sure that me in this society is as open as possible and as friendly as possible. Creating space. And yes, exactly what it is. And it's giving like, hopefully, grace. <laughs> hopefully, like, you know, my little Xander in, in Lloyd Minster. He's yeah, now, we didn't he's talk now about 18. your little. Yeah, so when I was in Lloyd Minster, I was a part of Big Brothers Big Sisters, and, and he was my little. 
Recently, he put me as his most influential person in his life in a school project. Mm -hmm. That's a step. I've had him say things that his younger brother had said to him, who grew up in Lloydminster, that is racist. And him just say, repeat the comment. And me explain to him when he was 13 what he's saying and what how his words have an effect on other people. And that's a step. I think that's a, that's my contribution is in this again this podcast and me talking about this this is my contribution to people to at least think just be self-aware have open conversations mm-hmm. you know if if you're against and have what the hard in, conversations yes. that's the, that like this like talking about racism like, like about these it's things. hard to call out family members yeah. it is it gets hard it's hard well with my mom it's hard because like i'll do like my grandma will have a conversation my mom she'll we have this rapport that's like uh, best friends. So she'll like, I dickhead. Like she'll just like <laughs> call me out. And then sometimes we're literally yelling at each other because she's not getting what I'm saying yeah. and thinking I'm just going at her. Right. But I'm still going. I'm still trying. Well, millennials, they get a lot of flack, but man, we changed a lot of things. We really, I don't know. It's <sighs> my brain and how it runs. I wish I can just lay it out on the table. Cause I would, in my head, I, I think I would be seen as a very intelligent person on just like the things I think about from day to day. Yeah. Like I'll be sitting at work and just think about like, I'm trying to think of a topic off of my head. For, for instance, like um, the George Floyd death and when the officers, like mm-hmm. the whole court case and everything like that. When that hit that whole day, I was just thinking about those things and just where the world's at and and just seeing those those type of issues it's just i just want people to know that no matter how small you might think you are in the 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 wheel the cog of the wheel that is life these little things make a huge difference i don't care what everyone anyone says to you about that you watching your language and how you're saying things and how you're treating people i know it just sounds cheesy and everyone says that because it's true and I honestly believe that and this is coming from a person where I thought I when I was a kid when I was like I would say between 17 to 20 I thought I was a dickhead like I was a very aggressive mean I was a bully imagine the 6'9 bully that's what I was I when I was drinking and going out and partying I was trying to fight everyone you know what I mean? Your frontal lobe wasn't fully developed Yeah, it developed wasn't fully yet. developed. And, and, but I, and I always say that all the time. I was like, ah, my brain didn't fully develop until I was like 25. Because that's when I started reading more yeah. and started talking about these issues and getting into politics out of nowhere. But yeah, it's, yeah, you just opened a can of worms with that question. <laughs> I hope, I hope people send in their response i want to hear from you guys too yeah like, like if you have this conversation over the holidays with with one of your family members <laughs> let us know <laughs> christmas dinner should okay. get interesting it's my turn i get to interview you a little bit mm. now we can do these a little faster i know i like to talk a lot first off easy question what brought you to energetic city I know you had a banking background. You wrote a book. She's a single mother of two. <laughs> you guys don't realize that Jenna, this you're an inspiration to me. I know oh, that sounds like a you. jokey thing, but when I talk about my mom and seeing what she did with me, you having two kids, the drive and passion you still have for not only your job, but outside activities too. 
the biggest thing is and seeing how you treat your friends that's why i love being your friend so mm. much because you're you. wonderful like what if we didn't even know each other for a year and my birthday was it this year you got me those stickers mm-hmm. with, my, with my face on it and yeah. stuff like that <laughs> that's so thoughtful my friends I, suck I, that's one thing i really strive for is to be a good friend that's always been something that's important to me but like as far as getting to energetic city i mean so i grew up in cranbrook originally i was from i was born in regina saskatchewan moved to cranbrook um my dad had a job for working for air canada very good job and he left the pension job moved to cranbrook bought a bankrupt auto wrecking business and he had an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and my mom in tow. And I'm just like, man, that was really the 90s. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I can't believe he did that. I thought you were and, talking about a, uh, like a plot to a sitcom for a second. I thought we were about to get No, <laughs> just like leaving a pension job yeah, yeah. and like move, like, like he was able to get a house, like get us a house, like just the way that everything happened. I'm like, I can't imagine. Like when I turned 30, I was like, how did my parents decide to do this? Like mm-hmm. that is a wild thing to do. Really but anyways, is. it ended up being a successful business and that I grew up in Cranbrook and then I moved out uh, when I was 17, almost 18, moved to Lake Louise and I was waitressing and then I moved up here to Fort St. John, followed a boy. I think that's every girl's story really, up here. Yeah, boy or work. Yep. Follow a boy or for work. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting a position with the CIBC quite young. I was the youngest uh, mortgage specialist to ever be hired with CIBC. And she won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I won Rookie of the Year that year, which is a pretty big deal because the manager that hired me at the time basically said, not these exact words, but we're only hiring you because we can't find anybody else. (laughs) Because, I mean, up here, the capacity, there just isn't as many people to do these jobs. Mm. So the opportunity really kind of, these opportunities are more open up here and I would never have been able to get that job anywhere else other than up here. And then I ended up getting rookie of the year. So it kind of proved like, thank you for hiring me kind of thing. And he was a great manager, Kendall gross shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, I mean, I had two kids. I have a 10 year old and a seven year old now. And I uh, wrote a book. (laughs) <laughs> when Elia, my youngest, was a baby. So it would have been in like 2015, 2016. I think it was early 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I wrote the book and I just sent it to my sister and she was like, whoa, this is actually pretty good. Like maybe you should do something with this. So I started querying agents. I got myself an editor and... and uh, it was a crazy whirlwind. Like they say, if if you haven't had a hundred no's, you haven't talked to enough agents yet. And it's a very rough business to get into. Um, it's cutthroat. There's so much competition. So getting an agent is very, very hard. And I was trying different avenues and I went on um, a Twitter pitch party where I pitched my book in 150 characters, which was what? Twitter was at the time. Pre-Elon. Pre <laughs> yeah, pre-Elon. Very, very pre-Elon. 
And I actually got my publisher through the Twitter pitch party. Uh, they're from the UK and uh, it was a great partnership. My book came out, it's called Empress Unveiled. It came out in September of 2018. So it was a two year process to oh, go wow. from writing the book to actually publishing the book. Um, it was actually originally called Revived, but then when I... Um, had a publisher we had to rename it and Unveiled's a better title yeah like yeah, it's like yeah once you get a publisher they kind of take over the yeah. machine aspect of things and by the way i gotta read your book i've never <laughs> read it okay anyways continue sorry and yeah that kind of is part of the reason why i'm at energeticcity.ca i when i got my publisher they asked me to start an Instagram um, to start promote, promoting the book. Mm -hmm. And I just so happened to be really good at it. And I grew my following quite quickly. And so me and Adam Bossman got to talking and I wanted to do some social media management for Energetic City. And um, that's kind of where I started. And it has morphed into now I'm the marketing manager here. So I do all things digital here so if you ever need some advertising <laughs> hit me up <laughs> so when you got here so you wanted to be the social media media coordinator yep. and sales or does that just kind of added to it because you had the experience originally with i was only going to be building the social media side of things but then i ended up um on the radio sales side of things and it just kind of Evolved. From evolved. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens in this building. Mm -hmm. You just yeah. kind of come in here and then you grow and evolve into these different positions. And Like it's I mentioned, most of the things I do, I never... Five years ago, Trey would be laughing his ass off. Like, how'd you get yourself into that, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but I well, and it. I think about, like I've said to my daughter before, don't, you know, put yourself into a box of what you want to do when you're older. Because when I was a kid, podcasts weren't even a thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even have dreamed that I could be doing a podcast. So it's like, just always stay open because you never know what's going to be on, in the pipeline. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got to Energetic City and, and yeah. Here we are now. Well, yeah. And then we, the podcast just kind of fall, fell in our lap. Yeah. Thanks to Troyer. Um, but I think it fell, it was just, it's so weird. There's moments in your life where you're like, you know the saying where it's like the right place, right time? Mm -hmm. It's really true in some cases where you like look back and you're like, yeah. You know, the fact that you and I were passionate about this and we didn't even really know it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then that fell in our lap and we're like, yeah, like 100% yes. Yeah. Like, yes, we want to be a platform for the indigenous communities. Yes. 110%. It's just so funny how those things happen. One thing I also wanted to mention. So this is the... Third podcast, sorry, fourth podcast I've ever done, and it's the most successful, at least the longest running, and, and I believe most successful as well. I did one uh, during, um, when I was in college as well, I listed my resume, well, one of them was that I had a website and a podcast on uh, wrestling, <laughs> pro wrestling, it was called The, the Wrestling Spew. Um, and it was a very much, it was a goofy podcast. We had a lot of bits. We talked like wrestlers, a friend and I, and I, I had a $5,000 grant from that podcast. Oh, that's cool. Is the, it still out there? Can I go listen to you it? You can go listen really? to it. Yeah, it's still out there. <laughs> nice. um, the website's still up as well. Uh, and then I did a podcast in 2020 during the beginning of the pandemic, like the, the four year or the four months where everyone was doing one when they were at home. Yeah. Um, I did one with two of my friends via Zoom and... I, it was called, 
Oh my goodness. It was actually really good. It was a good, it was a concept I came up with where it was a game show podcast where we would come up with games and we would challenge each other every episode. And then the, the following episode, the person that lost Mm -hmm. would have to do a challenge. So I had to shave off my beard for one. It was not good. It looked ugly, but yeah, that was something we did and it was doing really well, but then it just didn't work out being so far away from each other. Like the, my two co-hosts were in Edmondson and I was in Grand Prairie and it just didn't work out. And it's it being, uh, doing a podcast is very hard. It it's is. very yeah. difficult. So like part of the reason why I think this is a success is because we have accountability mm. for and, each other too. That's the biggest yeah, thing. And the fact that we have sponsors mm. that we need to, yeah, you know, yeah. Gotta get paid. <laughs> put out the content and all that kind of stuff. So it, but it's been like, I never would have thought how much work a podcast would be. Yeah. And this is just the monthly podcast. Yeah. The ones I was talking about was weekly. Yeah. That's it was tough. hard. But that, imagine, mm, yeah, whew. like all the stuff we do for this one and having to do it weekly is just, that would be hard. Okay. More questions for you. What was your favorite experience? And again, you can't say healing the hoop mm. or the sweat. Well, I feel like yours was so good by saying me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, one, I, it technically, I don't know if it was ne- necessarily for the podcast, but, uh, Doig days was oh, yeah. a really good experience for me. Cause I got to experience it with my daughter. Mm-hmm. She was there, uh, Doig days. They do like the grade fours, um, go out to the Doig and they get to experience, um, some culture out there. And it was a very cool experience getting to see her with her friends and us doing like the dance around the fire. And yeah, that definitely stands out to me. And I imagine the energy from everyone, not just the students, but the teachers. Yeah. There were so many kids there. It was crazy. Well, even for Doig and the the vendors and people that were there teaching things for the workshops, I bet their energy was high too, because I think that was the first Doig days since the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it, it seemed crazy. I remember we us writing a story on it and I didn't get to actually go cause you got us all the, the interviews and pictures, but it seemed, and just hearing your story, it seemed great. But this year, their next year, I'm definitely, there is a going. video on our social media mm-hmm. of Doig days. So if you're curious, you can head to our at before the peace on Instagram and at before the peace underscore on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, we got to have our shameless plugs at all time. All right. Another one I have is, uh, what is something you learned while doing the podcast that sticks with you? It can be a fact, a phrase, anything. I'll give you an example of mine is Turtle Island. I kept seeing the shirts with Turtle Island and I never knew what it was. And then Healing the Hoop is when we figured out what Turtle Island was. And it's North America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Let me, I think I would have to say breaking the misconception that outsiders aren't welcome. Mm, That's a big one. Because I felt intimidated, I think in the beginning doing the podcast, just not really sure what kind of reception we were going to get, but I cannot explain how welcoming everyone has been. We haven't got one negative. Yeah. Like it's been such a good experience and I really 
hope that this encourages other people to attend, you know, like the Westmo days and, you know, just it's okay to go to these events, like go to the powwow, ex- mm. experience it and, and immerse your yourself family. in it. Yeah. And you don't have to be indigenous to be a part of this. And mm. I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway. And, and from hey, this. you're not stuck there. Give it five minutes. And then if you're not liking it, leave. Yeah. Just give it a chance. Just be open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's my kind of biggest takeaway from all of this. So before we wrap up, I got another biggie for you. <laughs> and then uh, I got some some rapid fire questions. So this big I one. I have uh, some rapid fire questions for you. Well, too bad. <laughs> snooze you lose. This podcast is already like an hour long. I know. That's it's why longer I than any that's other why one. It's ask. just us talking. <laughs> that's why I didn't ask them, but I did have them. <laughs> How has the podcast changed your perspective on indigenous people and culture? Well, I think that kind of, I I think my last answer is kind of a segue into this because I think that was, that was my biggest misconception that I had to really check. It was like me feeling like maybe I wouldn't be welcome just because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why would I think that? Like, that's, uh, like that, I, I don't know. Like I'm almost mad at myself thinking back but no it's being open and being vulnerable on the podcast like this has really forced me to check those things Mm -hmm. and check those biases and check those misconceptions and and so I think that's been kind of how I've changed my perspective is that I just I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You just said enough. I think <laughs> I, for me to, it doesn't have to be this magnificent, you know, groundbreaking thing. It could be something as simple as us being open, right? And, like our and perspective, to, you know, changing on, you know, hey, these are just people. Like it could just be as small as that. It's like, why am I intimidated? Like you said, why? Why? Yeah. We're literally indigenous. Mm -hmm. Yes, we may look non-indigenous, but when we've told people that we're indigenous, we've probably told every guest, it just comes up in conversation. Not one person questioned that. Not one person went like, eh. Yeah. It didn't matter. It was like, okay. And then we talked about it. And and our journeys, everyone's on their own journey. And this is ours. And I I I think think it's just opening up to to the spiritual side of things. This podcast has really opened me up. Like, the sweat for Mm -hmm. instance Mm -hmm. like it's basically church Mm -hmm. and I when I was 13 years old I decided I was never going to go back to church again and because I was raised Catholic so and I just didn't really believe in some of the ways of like how they talk Mm-hmm. in the Catholic church. I just mm-hmm. didn't just or even didn't some rules. And yeah. I'm, I'm born. And Catholic, so, so it just, it, it almost forced me to become like very atheist mm-hmm. almost where I'm just like, religion is mm-hmm. bad. Science is good. Yeah. Organized religion. Yeah. <laughs> but then you like, I keep, I've had this conversation recently where I'm like, now that I think about a, a like I have a handful of friends now who are very much, very religious and it just doesn't come up. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter, but yeah, I get it. I get it. It's definitely opened 
me up to the spiritual mm. side of myself. And I'm very grateful for that because it's been really cool. Like even us just going to Matthews park mm. and doing our first thinking, offering together. And you know, like that at, at the beginning we were like, we don't even know what to do. And now I honestly wouldn't even question what I would need to do. I would just go and do it and that's it. And so it's just crazy to think that at the beginning of this, we were just like floundering and now we're kind of hitting our stride. And I love that. We really are. And we're just, I think it's just getting better and better. I know. I, I feel like I keep speaking in cliches today, but like <laughs> we definitely are getting, you know, better and better. And, and we just want to keep improving this podcast for sure. Uh, okay. Rapid fire before we wrap up here. Um, <clears throat> Why am I the greatest co-host and friend in the whole wide world? Go. Quick, 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 Oh, quick. because your empathy. How big of an animal would you be willing to fight to protect me? Ooh, like a, like a, like a, like a wolf. Okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> Why do you like one of the crappiest NFL franchises in history? The Pittsburgh oh, Steelers. Oh, come on. Says who? Says who? Oakland Raiders. Oh, <laughs> no, I actually really like the Raiders. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> I love the Steelers so much. Yay, Steelers. Uh, we're, <laughs> were Ross and Rachel really on a break? No. I don't think they were either. They were not on a break. It was not a fully communicated conversation. Ross, you jumped the gun. I hate Ross so much. Like, Okay, that's funny you say that because he's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> well, here's... No, this is this is what I want to say, though. I hate him. But there is something about him that, like, that character. He doesn't get enough credit for I the do. moments that he's brought. Yeah. Like, Pivot. Pivot! Pivot! <laughs> like, that is, like, one that of the best moments in Friends hit. history. And it that was all Ross. That like. was, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, bloopers to that? When they did the pivot? Oh, yes. It's yes, so I funny. have. They're so good. Okay, <laughs> he I was have... laughing, Matthew Perry, Rachel. I uh... have like a couple rapid fire questions for oh, you. Okay, let's go. Um, air guitar, air drums. Air drums. See the future, change the past. See the future. Ooh, Netflix or Crave? Disney Plus. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Crave. I actually do really like Crave. <laughs> the Office or Friends? Big Bang Theory. Ooh, tattoos or piercings? Tattoos. Morning person or night owl? Oh, you know that one, night owl. I am not a morning person. Podcast or music? <sighs> music. Oh, really? I know. It's split, but yeah. I'll say in the last year, music. Okay, last one. Rich and famous or rich and unknown? Rich and unknown. Oh, okay. I don't want to be known at all. I don't want to... Yeah. See, and I would want to be rich and famous because it would be nice to have a platform. Because I think a platform can make a huge difference. But you also, I can be rich and not famous and still, still make, di- yeah, still make I a suppose. difference. I have money that I can invest in things that I'm passionate True. about. True. And I don't need the recognition. Yeah, that's just who I'm. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I see these TikTok stars and Instagram people and just... You know, the new celebrities, mm-hmm. you know, like your, your Paul brothers and things like that. And I just, I couldn't do it. I don't like it at all. But, so, okay. Evely, my oldest, is at a grade four or five dance right now. And so have I have to go pick her okay, up. Okay, well, one one <laughs> last thing. We already said, follow our social media channels. Make sure you're reaching out to us. Um, if you have any requests, any 
story ideas, any guest ideas, um, please reach out to us before the piece at energeticcity.ca. And also, I would like to mention that the podcast is presented by energeticcity.ca, which we work for. And this podcast, as well as all these positions we named, the investigative reporter, the video position, the Indigenous Voices reporter, that's all made possible by contributors. So if you would like to throw us a couple bucks to help us out with local reporting, make sure you head to energeticcity.ca backslash contributes. We love you all. See you in 2023. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.